Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Well, good morning, everybody. It is uh, good to be back from uh, Texas, the land of humidity and hotness, and I don't know why we decided to go out there in July, but um, we, no, actually, it was my 30th high school reunion out there, so we had to go. <laughs> um, but it's so good to be back. You know, we're driving, when, when we got into Lubbock, we, we, we started to feel like, oh, okay, this feels like home. The, at least the weather does, right? And then, uh, so anyway, so it's, 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 it's good to be back. Uh, today is also uh, my 24th wedding anniversary, so I want to say happy anniversary to my wife, wherever she is. She's put up with me for that long, and, and uh, we've been together half of my life this year. How about that? <laughs> um, well, today is also a special day because we, we have a very special uh, guest speaker. Um, his name is John Torson. Uh, John, um, he is the director of the Central Baptist Association here in Albuquerque, but uh, John also gave me my very first ministry job. Like, I had interned at, at a church, and he took a chance on a 22-year-old guy to come in and be the youth minister at, at First Baptist Church to Harris, and not, not only that, but then he, he, his daughter, who most of you know, Jamie Coey, um, was in my youth group um, her, her senior year. Uh, and so um, it's great to have John here today. Uh, so let's give him a welcome. Um, John, come on up. Well, it's a real privilege for me to be able to come and, and share God's word with you. and. Um, we're so excited and have been excited when Brian and Jamie um, started coming here and we really got to renew more of a friendship again with David. And uh, actually when I brought David on out there to do youth, I also brought another young uh, guy to do worship. Uh, and so I had two young guys and me and we had a blast. We really did. We, we did a lot of things. We challenged a lot of things in the church. Uh, I had, had one, uh, one of my key people say, you know, you've almost used up your bank account here, so, so be careful. Uh, but we did, and it was a great joy. Um, and it's a privilege to have them here and, and their family, and God's just truly blessed us in that way. So I appreciate David asking me to come and share. I get to work with about 82 churches in central New Mexico from Cuba to Bonn and metro area and uh, all sizes of churches, uh, Chinese, Vietnamese, um, Spanish, and, and it's a, I love the church. I love God's church, and I love God's people, and we are, uh, we are called out of darkness into the light, and I, I have a, a passage that I'm going to share with you this morning from Philippians chapter 3. That's really my life passage because I didn't come to Christ until I was 
27 years old after I had eight years in the Navy. Uh, I served on uh, one of the uh, one remaining commissioned diesel submarines and then went to a, a Poseidon missile submarine after that. Um, and so I had all of these things in my life uh, going on. Um, I wasn't living a life of, of anything to do with God. I kind of ran pretty wild throughout my life from the age of 14. I grew up here and uh, maybe didn't help that. It somewhat exacerbated it. And finally came back here and was stationed at a joint command at Kirtland. And that's when Trudy and I met. Uh, we, there's a big story behind that. We actually only dated uh, about three months, got in, engaged and married the next month in October. And that was almost 48 years ago. So God bless that in spite of us. And then God used uh, Jamie to, to reach me. I'm going to talk some about the Apostle Paul this morning and how God intervened in his life and what that meant to him and how it transformed his life. Um, but Jamie was born at Balboa Naval Hospital in February 1978. And um, when I looked at this little girl, I, I thought, uh, we can't keep living the way that we're living. There has to be a better way. Has to be something different. So after um, I completed my Navy time, we came back here. I started searching for answers. Went back to the old um, Protestant church my folks had taken us to as children, and uh, didn't connect anywhere there. I was listening to anything on the radio, which was like KKIM radio, and there were only a few programs: MacArthur, Swindoll, J. Vernon McGee. But I was listening to everything, and finally, I went to her parents' church down in Bosky Farms. First time I went there, I swore I'd never walk into a Baptist church again because <laughs> I, felt, I felt I was being looked at as a trophy of some kind. I had no clue. And, uh, and after this experience uh, with Jamie's birth, I went back without the chip on my shoulder and, and I, I was open and I heard scripture preached and taught. And that's when God convicted my heart and I surrendered my life to Christ in December of 78. Three years later, I was at Southwestern Seminary and uh, going to seminary and then came back here and started pastoring in the state. So God's really worked in my life. And the passage I want to share with you this morning really is a passage about um, biblical principles for the journey. Because folks, we need, we need a, a, a core set of principles and values uh, to live in this life and to help raise our children in this life, things that are going to guide us and direct us, things we can learn from the Apostle Paul about our past, our present, and about our future. So before I read the passage, let me just give you five truths that I have uh, discovered and that are eternal truths, but I think help set the stage for us whenever we're working through our journey in life because every part of our life is a journey there's always transition in our life God's always taking us from one place and moving us to another where whether we want to go or not uh, he does that for us and he does that in us so let me share these five truths up front because I think they'll be relevant as we go through our passage number one God is at work and will continue to work in the world until the predetermined time for Christ's return that sounds like it ought to be just general information, but many times we forget that God is still working because of the circumstances that we're living in. 
Things aren't always going our way. The world seems to be uh, reverting itself. You remember when the church began, it said that they were turning the world upside down, and they were, and now it almost seems like the world's turning back over to where it was pre-Christ. The second thing is that God works through his word, his people, and his church to accomplish his will by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, the emphasis is not on our will, but on his will, and he does it in the power of his spirit. Number three, God's work, God works in his way and his time to accomplish his will. And that's usually where we get frustrated because he doesn't always work in our time and he doesn't work in our way and he doesn't always work according to our will, but he does for his. Number four, God's work by its very nature causes change in leadership, in calling, and in scope. God works and things happen. And by its very nature, that causes some changes and transitions in our life that we just need to be aware of and allow God to do. And number five, God's work will almost always move you out of your comfort zone and into a time of renewed sacrifice and commitment. Because God doesn't want to leave us where we're at. He wants to grow us and move us to where we need to be to accomplish His will for His honor and His glory alone. So we're going to look at some principles this morning. Principles for the journey, the journey of life that we are on, the journey that God has placed us here to fulfill, uh, to work in us and through us to accomplish his will and purpose, and to ultimately bring honor and glory to him in every way. Let me read through our passage this morning. We'll begin in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray this morning as we open your word that we will open our hearts to your word and to your spirit. We all come with different backgrounds and different challenges and struggles. We come sometimes with great successes and sometimes with great loss. But we come to the foot of the cross for one reason, one purpose, to open ourselves up to you and to surrender ourselves to you so that you might do in us and through us what you want to do. And Father, maybe there's someone this morning who is here who has a past that, that isn't a very good past, or someone who has come and they brought their own self-righteousness into this room, thinking that maybe that is going to please you and honor you and, and allow them access to you. But God, you bring us here to, to humble us. We must come with a contrite heart. We must look at ourselves as who we are and who you are, and in light of that, recognize our sinfulness and separateness from you. But that through Christ, our Redeemer, our Savior, our Lord, our King, we can find redemption and renewal. We can look toward the future with great anticipation and promise. We can know that when we die and leave this world, we can be in your kingdom, all because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. For that's what we will find in the life and in the journey of the Apostle Paul this morning. 
Help us to hear it, help us to apply it, and help us to share the good news of Jesus when we leave this place today. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we kind of look at, at new seasons in our life and we're on this journey, uh, we're going to t- talk about the Apostle Paul. And you remember initially his name was Saul of Tarsus. He was raised both as a Roman citizen and uh, a Jewish citizen. He was uh, a man who had been well trained. He was a very intellectual person. He was a Pharisee, and as we'll see, he calls himself a Pharisee of the Pharisees. As far as keeping the law, nobody kept the law better than he did. And when Christianity came and the, and the message of Jesus was being proclaimed, Paul took it upon himself to protect what he believed God wanted him to protect. He felt that Christianity was, was a plight against the Jewish faith, that it was in violation of the law, that they were, were attacking God. And so he put all of his passion and all of his training and all of his energy into trying to destroy the growth of the Christian church. He was even there when the first real strong preaching message was proclaimed by Stephen in Acts chapter 7. When Stephen was preaching the message, he was brought before the Sanhedrin, and they they were so angry with him for what he was saying about the resurrection, they took him out and started stoning him to death. And it says that they laid their coats at the feet of Saul of Tarsus. And then Saul was heading to Damascus. He had permission to go out and, and arrest the men and the women, the Christians, and to put them into jail. To, to try and tear down this growth of this Christianity that was happening. And that's when he met Jesus. And it's amazing. And not really amazing. I think I stand more in awe of how God intervenes in our life to impact us, to convict us, to, to kind of break us down, to help us be able to look up and see him and him only. And it's through that encounter with Jesus Christ that he went from being a, a, a persecutor of, a, of the church to a proclaimer of the gospel. You know, we don't always have to be living a life where we're attacking the church, attacking Christianity, attacking Christ. Just by our neglect of him and our our lack of observation and recognizing that there is a God, that that God created this world, that he created us to have a relationship with him, and that that relationship can only be attained through faith in Jesus Christ by confessing and acknowledging our sin, repenting of it, turning away from it, and trusting that what Jesus did on the cross and through the resurrection was sufficient to pay the price for our sin. It's not a complicated thing. You don't have to be a great theologian to figure this out. But when Jesus in, intervened in, in, in Saul's life, he did a brand new thing. And he, he turned him all of his energy from one area and fighting against Christ to, to all uh, everything that he did in proclaiming him. And I love that because I think, just like in my life, I think some of us here this morning have experienced that as well. And when I look at my life and I ask the question, okay, do I have the same energy, the same passion, the same love, the same devotion that I had in my early life as a believer today? And sometimes we have to answer that where we don't. Paul had a passion, and Jesus Christ transitioned that passion, passion to something that would be most, the most powerful, most proclaiming 
a message of Jesus that we find in the New Testament. He was a man that had believed he was on a spiritual mission with God's endorsement, and God changed that. That is why it is a powerful testimony of Jesus intervening in his life, turning him from one direction to another. Here's your first principle. God will redirect your passion to accomplish his purpose and plan in you and through you for his glory. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is, what, a new creation? Old things are passed away. That means they're gone. Behold, all things are become new. That's what happens when we surrender our life to Christ. That's what happens when Paul recognized and was brought to Christ through faith when he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. Jesus had said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Quit kicking against the goads. What's happening in this Christianity through, through Jesus and through those who are following him are exactly what I had pr- planned from the very beginning. And you're fighting against it. You need to get in alignment with it. And from that, we find the transition in Paul's life. In Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, which is just prior to what we had already read, listen to what the apostle writes. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Notice he said what he considered gain was all loss. How much do you value Jesus Christ in your life? Paul valued Christ in such a way that he surrendered everything, his past, his knowledge, all of his experience, all the things that he had done in the past. Now everything was focused on Jesus. All the value that he had had in himself and that had been given to him by the world was pushed aside and buried because now he had one that he was focused on. All the worth, all the value of his life was now found in the relationship he had with Jesus Christ. Here's your second principle. The value you place on your relationship with Jesus Christ will determine the life you live for him and the service you give to him. You see, we can be very um, consistent and have a great uh, routine of doing Christian things and going to church and getting involved in things. And we go to church every Sunday and we, we, we try to be really regular with that. We, we get into the routine of, of all the things that we think Christianity is supposed to be and what being part of a church is supposed to be. But many times that routine turns into a routine because we're missing the only thing that can really help us be who we are. And that's a high value of who Jesus Christ did. He's the one who lowered himself and came to this earth so that he might live a life like you and I lived 
tempted in every way, yet without sin. And then he went to a cross, and he was crucified on that cross. He paid the price for the sin which the law demanded for you and I. And he was buried, and the third day resurrected from the grave, overcoming sin and death. If we look at our, our place in relationship to him, outside of him, we are lost and without hope in this world. We have no hope. There's, there's no promise. There's no relationship with God. We can't work our way to the Lord. We, we, we can't do anything to please God. If we took all of our good works from the beginning of time to when Jesus returns and stacked them all up, them in themselves would not bring us a millimeter closer to a relationship with God. But Jesus did that on the cross. If we recognize that and we value that and that's important to us and out of his love for us, we're demonstrating our love back to him as we submit ourselves to him and surrender to him and take all that he has given us and put it toward his effort and toward uh, his message and, and toward the goal that he has to reach this world for Jesus Christ. If we're really focused on that and we see value in it, then we will put it in its right place. But I think too often we get things in our life that are more valuable than Jesus is. <laughs> we have things that are more important than he is. And then occasionally we, we try to redeem that and we go to a worship service and we have some kind of an experience and we make a commitment and, and we make a vow and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to really start serving you now. And, and then we, we get to Monday and Tuesday and we're back to the same life that we had kind of like the young man that wrote his girlfriend a note he said I'll see you tonight I'll climb the highest mountains I'll swim the deepest seas I'll forge along that desert nothing will keep me from you and then P.S. at the end said unless it rains <laughs> you see we we have to value Jesus the way he should be valued he's the king of kings and lord of lords we have no right to be in his presence outside of what he has done for us in bringing us and saving us and forgiving us of our sins. Paul goes on, he says, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Here's your third principle. Live with a true perspective of your spiritual walk with Jesus. Don't lie to yourself about your relationship with Jesus and say, you know, I read my Bible occasionally. I get to church on occasion. I even show up sometimes and do work day at church. And I'm sure God is pleased when I'm doing that. <laughs> Listen, a true perspective of your, your relationship or your spiritual walk with Christ would reveal some things that you may not want to see. In Proverbs 16, 18, it says pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. We have sometimes so much pride about who we think we are that we forget that that pride doesn't impress God at all. We have to recognize that all that he has done in us is to help us walk closer to him. Now, we'll never reach that place of perfection. We can't. We're still humans. We're still sinners saved by grace. But our goal is to walk closer and closer to him each day. Not just in our mind, but in our heart and in our actions. Because if we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, then we should be loving our neighbor 
as well. We should be seeking those things uh, that will honor him in our life. We will be submitting ourselves to him. We will taking those, be taking those spiritual gifts that he's given us and using them as good stewards for his glory. Paul says, listen, brothers, I, I have not gotten there. Now, if anybody was, was there, it could have been Paul. You just look at his history, you look at his, his resume, he's got all these things that he was so great at. Remember, but he, he threw all that away. That's all garbage. Now his focus is Jesus Christ. He says, I've not gotten there yet. I'm still working on this. But he was still working on it as well. We have to ask the question, Lord, where am I at in relationship with you? As your child, it's kind of a challenging prayer to pray, but God, will you please show me what you see in me and not what I see in myself? Because generally there's a dramatic difference between the two. And if you open your heart, God will show you not to condemn you or to punish you, but to grow you and to help you be the individual and the Christ follower that will truly reflect him in every way. A servant heart, a sacrificial heart, a heart which is, is compassionate and shows grace and mercy to others, a heart that is dedicated to take the good news out into a lost world. Sometimes we just get too caught up in how we think of ourselves when in reality we're not that. The fourth principle, live with a single-minded focus toward Jesus Christ. Single-minded. Paul said, one thing I do. Not many things, not a few things, but one thing. Someone asked me many years ago, how many bowling balls can you roll uphill at a time? Now think about that. Um, maybe, maybe one for some of us. <laughs> Maybe we can't even get up the hill without a, with a bowling ball, but maybe there's one, and maybe two at best. You throw that third bowling ball in trying to roll it uphill, you're not going to do very good. Uh, you put any more and you're going to fail every single time. And my point in this is, is just this. Find the thing that's going to honor and please Christ that he's called you to do, that he's gifted you to do, and let that be the priority of your life. It doesn't mean you have to quit your job and become a missionary or, or be a preacher or anything else. It means that God has placed you here for a purpose and a reason. He's gifted you to use the gifts for his honor and glory. Find those things where you can serve him and then invest in them and put your energy into it. And the one thing you do is not for your benefit, for his glory, which makes you a good steward of what God has entrusted to you. The apostle is not leaving things behind. He's forgiving the thing. He's forgetting the things behind. He's not merely looking forward. He's reaching forward to the things that are ahead. He does not, uh, not, he, not only does he run, but he presses toward the mark. Uh, he's fighting for this. He's trying to do everything he can. The one thing, honor Christ in his life. One person said this, they said Paul was focused on one thing and would not let those things which are behind distract him from it. The one thing was the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How often do we allow the things of the past to distract us, whether they're good things or bad things? We may let them keep us 
from doing what God's called us to do. Fifth principle. You can never move toward the future when your heart is focused on the past. Here's how this works. Think about it. The Apostle Paul was uh, complicit in the stoning of Stephen. If he had got himself hung up on that, said, oh, I'm, I'm a murderer. God could never use me. He never would have been able to go forward and be the missionary that he needed to be. If there's something in your life, in your past, that you've been holding on to and it's kind of dragging on behind you, you've been unwilling to let it go, sometimes we use that as an excuse. Sometimes it just is what it is. But as long as you're holding on to something from the past, unable to move forward, unwilling to commit yourself to new things because, well, you don't know what I've done, then you're missing the whole point of what the apostle is saying here. If he can say, I forget that which lies behind, with, with, which is his education, his experience, his training, his position, his sin, his being a murderer, his pro, uh, persecuting the church, if he can take that and put it away so that he can focus on this day and on the future, I find it hard to believe that we couldn't do the same thing. But too often, those things of the past are the things that get in the way of our moving forward. Forgetting has the idea of completely forgetting. Paul knew if the runner began to think of, of those who were behind him or if he had thought about the race before uh, when, when they had failed, if, if you put all that junk in the past in, into the mind and the heart of a runner who's in a race, it will slow them down and they will not accomplish what they were, what they were there to accomplish. But they have to put everything past them. They have to put everything behind them. Doesn't matter what's happened in the past, you focus on Jesus Christ and the future. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I need to reflect you to a lost community who has a misconception of who you are? Let me say this, that I think is an important reality for us. People will know who Jesus is, the real Jesus, the authentic Jesus, by what they see in you. And they need to be seeing Jesus next door to them and in the workplace and in school and in the community because their perception of Christianity and who Christ is is very, very tainted. Partly because they've not seen the real Jesus in his children living next to them and interacting with them. So we have to reflect a true representation of Jesus Christ to those around us. Remember that when God forgives, he forgets. Let me give you a few passages just to kind of reiterate that. Psalm 103:12. as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 43, 25, I even I am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. In 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Paul is saying, in essence, that to keep one's focus on Jesus and the future, don't look back. Don't look back at successes or failures. Don't look at those things. Look forward. So basically, Paul is saying three things. He hasn't arrived. He has a single focus, and he forgets what has happened in the past. 
so that he can strive for the future. What do we do with this? Well, we face our reality. And that's where we come before the Lord in humility and in prayer. And we come and we confess our sin. And we acknowledge, Lord, I am a sinner. You know what? God already knows that. <laughs> it's not like we're, we're surprising him. Oh, wow, I, I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> God knows your heart. He knows the thoughts and the intent of your mind. He knows what you're going to do long before you ever even do it. What God is looking for is, listen, I want you to acknowledge it. I want you to take responsibility. I want you to recognize that you are a sinner and that you're separate from me. And as a believer, I want you to recognize that you're outside of my will because you're not living for me. You're not serving me. You're not glorifying me. If we confess our sin, remember he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. That's, that's a great passage. But it has to go on beyond that so that we don't just get forgiveness of sin and then we go back to our old ways. No, the whole idea is that when we, we say, God, I confess my sin, I repent of my sin, help me to live for you, help me to serve you, help me to represent you well in every aspect of my life, guess what? God expects you to do it. <laughs> and what great blessings come when we do. But we have to find the reality of where we're at in relationship to him. Secondly, forget your past. Let go of it. I saw a cartoon, kind of a series, a little uh, cartoon thing, and, and it was uh, a nurse, and she was praying, and uh, she had had an abortion, and she had praying and asking God to forgive her for that. And then the second picture was her number of months later praying the same thing, and the next picture a number of months praying the same thing, asking God to forgive her. And finally, in the last little picture, she prays and asks God to forgive her. And there's that little uh, cloud, which is God's voice speaking to her. And it said this, said, I, gave, I forgave you the first time you asked. I forgave you the first time you asked. You don't have to keep asking. When you confess your sin from your heart, God forgives, and then you get rid of it. We don't have to be like Marley in, in the story of Scrooge, carrying all of chains of our past behind us, slowing us down, keeping us from moving forward. Through Christ, all of that is taken away. We're free. And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And free to serve Him and honor Him, glorify Him and live for Him. And be a part of what he's doing in the world, even in this crazy world we're in. Listen, the strength of the church is not in the numbers of people. It's in the commitment of the heart of those who truly know him. And we're finding that that large group is shrinking down because those who were in the middle in the gray area are abandoning him. But we're getting down to those who are truly Christ followers. You look at the church around the globe in the underground church, in the persecuted church, it's not huge numbers, but their impact is so much more because they're absolutely committed to serve him and serve his church and, and live for him in spite of all the pressures and all the, the oppression that they may face. Forget your past. And then finally, forgive yourself and forgive others. It's easy for us to want someone to forgive us. I don't know why they won't forgive me. I've acknowledged that, but they won't forgive me. 
it's very difficult for us to be able to forgive someone else and allow them to confess their sin and then put it away. That's something that we carry around with us and every time we see them, it builds up in us and we think about what they did or didn't do. We have trouble having any relationship with them, any fellowship with them. Listen, (laughs) as he forgave us, so we are to forgive those around us. We've got to reproduce that forgiveness in our life. Focus on Christ and the future. Let me share one more passage with you that I, I love this passage. I think they go together from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, or as a result of what he had just talked about in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith, all those who had had given even their lives in faith to him. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What's interesting in that, it says, for the joy set before him, he knew what the cross was going to be like. He knew what crucifixion would be like. He wasn't going to find joy in in that pain and, and suffering and rejection. That's not where the joy was found. The joy was found on the other side of that for what it would produce, what it would accomplish, the redemption of lost men and women, those who could be brought to God through faith in Jesus Christ. He was looking at the outcome, not the journey. So when you think about the things that God's called you to do, and sometimes there's struggles, sometimes there's challenges, sometimes there's losses, sometimes there's pain, sometimes there's a lot of sacrifice, just think about this. If God can work through each one of those things in your life, no matter what they are, and you represent him well, what kind of redemption comes on the other side? Not yours, because as a Christ follower, you're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. You have that assurance of salvation. But how can he take your life and all the challenges, even the pain and even the suffering, and touch someone else's life that they might know Jesus as Savior? Well, I think those are questions that we should ask, and I think they're questions we should want to ask. And to be very open and honest with our Lord that he might speak to our hearts and that he might transform us and that he will help us on the journey of life that he has set us on. So I'm going to close with this. My, uh, it's kind of a favorite illustration of mine, but I think it's, it's very powerful. Um, because I want you to have hope. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life. It doesn't matter what your background or it doesn't matter anything. It doesn't matter how bad you were in the past. God's not looking at the past. He's looking at what you're going to do right now, and he will forgive you. There's a story about a man who loved uh, uh, sports cars, and he uh, bought this sports car, and he fixed it up and polished it, kept it in the garage, Uh, He shined it, and the only person that could drive it was him. Nobody else could drive that car. And so one day, his wife was planning a big dinner, and 
Unfortunately, the, the other usable car they had has broken down, so the husband took the wife's car to work. And she was in the middle of the afternoon, and she's preparing this big meal, and she realizes there's a couple things she forgot to buy. And so she thought, how am I going to get these things? This was before, you know, they started delivering food to your homes and you could order online. You see where this is going. So she decides to take her husband's car. It's only a couple blocks down to the store. I'll run down there and be right back. I'll be very careful. On her way back, she gets into a crash, just like a block from her house. And the car is very badly damaged. Nobody was hurt. She's sitting on the curb. Policeman comes over and asks for a license and a registration. She said, well, here's my license. My registration's in the car. So he goes to the car, opens the glove compartment, and he comes back. He says, I, I've got your registration. He said, but there's a card in here with your name on it. So he handed her this little card, and she turns it over, and here's what the card said. If you're reading this, you've wrecked my car. <laughs> But it's what he said next that's important. He said, I love you more than I love my car. You know, God knows we mess up life. He knows we're not always what we ought to be. But he wants to take us and use us, forgive us, strengthen us, encourage us, and help us to move forward. Not just so we can have a happy life, but so that we can honor him. Because when we're honoring him with our life, that is a happy life. Whether it's under persecution or oppression, there's a joy and a peace that passes understanding that the world can't give. When we're in his will, we're doing what he's called us to do and we're unified as a body of Christ. He can do great things through us. But we have to put the past in the past. We have to get it ourselves in the right place. We're not above God. <laughs> we should be humbled on our knees, on our face before him, saying what Isaiah would say, here am I, <laughs> send me. Here am I, send me. Well, I, I appreciate being able to share, but I don't want to just leave uh, this open because anytime we come into the presence of God, anytime we come to a Bible study or a worship service, if we walk out of here the same way we walked in, then we've not met with him. He will always speak to our hearts in different ways for different reasons, for different purposes. And we're going to take, I'm going to pray, and then I want you to take a few moments of quiet prayer. And, and while you're uh, quietly praying and asking God, Lord, what do I do in response to your word today? How do I apply it to my life? How do I share it with others? The praise team will come up, we'll close with a song. But this is the most important part, second most important part of this, of this time. The word of God, spirit of God speaking to your heart is the first how we respond to it is so important. You want to walk out of here saying, God, you spoke to my heart. Thank you. Help me in whatever way he convicts you to help. Maybe you're lost. You've never received Christ. You can talk to us afterward. Find one of us, and we will be glad to help, help you understand how to give your life to Jesus Christ and become the new creation and have eternal hope that we've talked about. So let me pray. Then you'll have a couple moments of quiet, personal prayer before we close with the song. Father, you are an awesome God. And just, just the idea of you as the creator of the universe, you were wholly separate from us. And yet you created us 
and created us to have a relationship with you, but that sin, sin has gotten in the way of that and separated us from you. And throughout uh, all the early days and the people of Israel, Lord, you helped, helped us see through your law that we could never meet the requirement of the law that you expected and, 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 and require. And yet there's one who through his shed blood paid the price that every single person who would come and acknowledge him, confessing, acknowledging their sin, repenting, turning from it to follow you and placing all of their eternal trust in you as Savior and Lord. Wow, that's an awesome thing. You may want to be speaking to our hearts this morning about the reality of where we are in relationship to you that needs to change. You may be drawing someone to you right now that needs to be saved. You may be calling someone to serve in some area that they've been using the past as an excuse not to. Help them put the past away so that they can move forward in the future and become your servants and help build a healthy, vibrant, Christ-loving, uh, Bible-preaching church here that will truly impact this community in a way that it's not seen before. So as we pray, let your spirit work according to your will and purpose. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Take a few moments, just in personal prayer, and then the praise team will lead us in our closing song. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.